Yeah, just a quick addendum to that last episode. And something else about carpet is the length of carpet and where certain lengths are considered appropriate. Because if you're in a commercial building that has carpet, there's and, and it, you never really notice that you're standing on it because it's so short and it has certain patterning and it, it's not very fur-like. It's almost just like this layer of fabric over everything. I mean, that's basically what commercial carpet is. And if you were to go into a commercial business and they were to have not even shag carpet, but even the sort of carpet, like the short carpet you would have in your living room, there'd be something disturbing about it. The length of that carpet in a commercial setting would be a little bit disturbing. And so there's this thing that we have where it's like carpet needs to be shorter in neutral public settings, in commercial settings in particular, in an office or a, uh, a store. If it has carpet, it needs to be short, very short, almost so short that it's just like, yeah, stretched fabric. But yeah, in your house, it can be more fur-like. It could even be sh getting into shag length. And that's an interesting idea. It's like, oh, you know, it's okay to keep a little bit of a reminder that this all comes from bearskin rugs when you're at home. But when you're in a commercial setting, it's like we want to forget. It's like it's like commercial setting is such a, a distortion of nature that we don't want the reminder that carpet is fur or is supposed to be like fur. Just an interesting little observation and another element of this where it's like the more the deeper we get into, you know, the the complications of society and technology and modern life, the more we have to mask the original essence of whatever that thing is that we're using. Uh, it's in the same way that you're less likely to see, you know, other natural surfaces. You're less likely to see, like, you're, you're not going to go into a store unless they're, like, selling outdoor clothes. And you're not going to see a whole lot of wood grain. But yet, in your home, wood grain is common and acceptable. Wood grain and, you know, intermediate length carpet. That's kind of the the norm these days. But... Just interesting how there is that contrast in what we expect from a commercial setting opposed to a home setting. And our homes are supposed to be just a little bit more natural. You know, and nobody's going to mistake a, a new suburban home for some product of nature. Nobody's going to, you know, confuse it with a log cabin. But it does have a little more of that original essence. The carpet is a little more like fur. There are some more, you know, wood grain surfaces, even if they're simulated themselves, even if it's not real wood, you're still going to see a lot more wood grain in someone's home. And, you know, what I was saying in this episode was, you know, the home is an extension of your body and you feel similarly in control of it and people accept that. It's like you are allowed to be as controlling of your home as you are yourself and your own body and you're also allowed to feel as defensive of your own home as you would your own body and you're allowed to protect it similarly. You're gonna feel invaded in similar ways and that should tell you something about your own body though where you know, if, if, if your house feels like an extension of your body, uh, 
then you have to take a look at your own body and say, well, is the body, if I'm going to be all reductionist about this, what is the next smallest unit? Is the human body the smallest unit that we have? Is it the smallest unit of self? If our house is part of ourself, if our car is part of ourself, and we take a step, you know, inward from that, and the next unit is our body, is there something smaller, you know, because, you know, you might say like your heart or your brain, you know, uh, but it, it's hard to really disconnect those. We don't, we're not very good at looking at, you know, at breaking our body down into its next smallest unit. But the one that makes the most sense to me is the spirit or soul. You know, it seems like the human soul is the thing that inhabits our body. And then the soul then expands to inhabit our house or our car or any other place where, you know, anything else that we feel in possession of. But, you know, even though it's, it's, it's you know, hard to really separate, it's, it's hard to break the body down to like another unit of measurement. And it, it doesn't really matter what you say, somebody's going to not believe you or they're going to disagree or they're going to say, you know, you're just a collection of neurons, whatever they're going to say. They're going to have some sort of reductionist mindset. Uh, but I think that it is a good way of understanding the way that the soul inhabits the body by saying in the same way that your body inhabits a house and that house becomes an extension of you, your soul inhabits your body and your body becomes an extension of your soul. But in the same way that you are not your house, you know, your body isn't your house, your soul isn't your body either. And maybe there's a smaller unit than the human soul. Maybe there's an even smaller unit that, you know, inhabit that the soul inhabits or inhabits the soul. I don't know. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about souls. That's why I think it's an acceptable unit to use, even though it's immeasurable. I feel like it's an acceptable unit to use when you want to go deeper than just the human body. But it is a good way of realizing that you are not completely your body. You want to protect your body. You feel a similar level of control, and not just a level of control, but the right to control your body as you would your own home or other things that you consider completely in your possession. But you have to remember that your body isn't the entire picture. You know, it may be the thing that's closest to you in this material world, the thing that you feel is you, but it's not necessarily. You know, it's not. And in, in the same way that you can move houses and suddenly you feel that your new house is an extension of you. Because it's not just that you have one place you live in and that place becomes an extension of you. It's that you can do that continually. You can live in a bunch of different places and have that same different experience. So who's to say that the process can't happen within a body? And this isn't meant to be some reincarnation thing. You can even look at it as your exact life that you will live. Your body is in a continual state of change, yet it remains you. But your body is completely different than it was, let's say, 20 years ago. doesn't even matter how old you are. If you're 90 years old, your body is still different than it was when you were 70. If you're 30 years old, your body's certainly different than it was when you were 10. So in that way... 
your body is continually changing within your current lifetime in the same way that you might move to different houses. And yet at each stage, you know, at each stage of your life, no matter if you love yourself, hate yourself, if you're indifferent, no matter how you feel about you and your life in that given moment, you still know that your soul, your spirit inhabits that body at that time, even though that body is in a constant state of change. In the same way that you're going to move houses, you're going to live in different places, and you might like one house more than another, you might like one living situation you're in more than another, but at the same time, you inhabit that place, and it becomes an extension of you. And you're going to feel similarly about it, no matter how big or small it is, even if it's just a room, a closet-sized room, it doesn't matter like what the space is you're living in, you're going to feel similarly about it. And you're going to be as protective of it, as controlling of that environment as you would any other place that you're going to live in. And so you can see where these things that part of us inhabits, our body inhabits these different living spaces, but because our body is there and considers it our own, we're going to think of it a certain way and have a certain relationship to it. And in the same way that the human spirit or soul inhabits a body and your body's in a constant state of change. And even if you lose a leg, even if you go bald, even if you lose a leg and go bald, your soul is still going to inhabit that body in whatever state it's in. And, uh, it's just an interesting thing I wanted to add to the previous episode, something that I hadn't thought of while I was listening to it. And as usual, I have a couple of ideas that come to me immediately after I hit, you know, after I close out the the session. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting just how, you know, the length of carpet that we stand on has this relationship to the sort of places where we are like where it's like if you're in a commercial place you know you want the carpet to be as short as possible you want it to be as least like an animal's fur as it could possibly be while still being carpet and you know you tend to not feel like those places are yours either so just to bring these two ideas together when you're in a commercial place it's not just that you know you're in a commercial place. It's not just that you know you're in a public place. It's that the way it looks makes you feel like it's not yours. It makes it feel like you don't have control over that environment. And if you think you have control over a public place or a store, you're fucking crazy. And uh, there's something about the way those places are designed that communicates Oh, this place is not yours. It's clean. It's maybe stylish even. But we want you to know that even though we want you here and we want you to do business and maybe even feel comfortable here, we don't want you to feel like it's your home. And as a result, the way that it's designed, the materials we use are going to be very different from your home. Unless we decide to go for that homey feel, you know, unless it's one of those restaurants that tries to look like, you know, someone's den. And in that case, there it's almost like the uncanny valley where it's like this place almost looks like someone's country house living room, 
but it doesn't quite, and there's something disturbing about that. It's almost like the uncally, unc- uncally, uncanny valley of living spaces when you're in that sort of environment, when a store or a restaurant is going for a down-home feel. It's almost like this is almost like a home feeling, but not quite, and therefore kind of more disturbing. But uh, it, yeah, just it is interesting, though, how to, you know, we do manage to live inside of things in this world that are more than just our human body. Because we tend to think of our body as it. But yet we do think of, you know, these larger spaces as us too. And I, I mentioned the car. And I, there was this experience I had growing up where my family went to Baskin Robbins, the ice cream place, uh, which I don't know if they have carpet. I don't imagine they do. I think they just probably have tiles because tiles are very commercial. Uh, but I was at Baskin Robbins and like I finished my ice cream and decided to go wait outside while my family was finishing up. And there was a car that I thought was ours. And I sat down on the front bumper, which this is probably the only time I've ever sat down on the front bumper of a car in my life. So this isn't something that I regularly did. I'm just, I'm the kid who sits on car bumpers, you know, I, I just not that kind of person, but I sat down on the front bumper of this black car And there was this other family inside with like two little girls around my age. I was probably in third, fourth grade. And it was like a mom and a dad and two girls. Fortunately, they didn't go to my school. I didn't know them. But they started like putting their faces up to the glass with their hand up over their eyes, like as like a visor sort of thing to see out. And they they were like looking at me really suspiciously. And it, it was weird. You know, it was at night. And I'm just sitting there feeling like a badass, probably uh, sitting on a what I think is my my mom's car's bu- front bumper. But these girls like are looking out and the parents like I could tell like we're saying something to the girls like, don't worry about it. But the girls were looking out the window very suspiciously peering at me. And my family starts to head toward the door. So I go and I try to open up the passenger side door to the car and I do open it up. It's unlocked. And I see these like little girls jackets, like a puffy little girl colored jacket. It had it, little girls flesh tone. It sounds like I'm making some like horrible joke, but no, it was, it was like a pink jacket or something I see in uh, like sitting there and I just had this and like the interior of the car was an entirely different color and I was just like oh fuck you know I was sitting on that family's front bumper I was invading their life you know even though it's not like I was sitting there with like it's not like I had shit my pants and I was sitting on their front bumper it's not like I was like filthy it's not like I it's not like sitting on their front bumper like I was a eight-year-old kid it's not like I'm like some big fat guy who just sat on someone's front bumper and was gonna break it like there was nothing about me sitting on that front bumper that was gonna damage their car soil it nothing and I was you know just horribly embarrassed too I mean I, I remember it you know I remember this experience because it was like I was so embarrassed to have sat down on this family's front bumper you know, even though it was an honest mistake, I felt like what I did was really invasive. And the way these little girls were looking out the window at me, they were like, that guy, that kid is sitting on our car bumper. That kid is sitting, you know, on on our property. That car is an extension of us. 
And that person is sitting on our thing. That person is sitting on us. That person out there is sitting on us. And you see, in that way, the car was them. You know, the car was like inhabited by them, even though it was just sitting there. The car was just sitting there waiting for them to finish their ice cream. And they obviously weren't too paranoid because they left the car unlocked. They're inside Baskin Robbins and the car's sitting out front, unlocked. They're not too worried about anything that's going to happen to the car. Yet a kid walked out and sat on the bumper. And those little girls felt really invaded. And I'll bet you that the parents didn't like it either. Even though the parents, like, they were really nice because they didn't confront me. And they told the little girls, it it seemed like they told them not to worry about it, like to not look at me. But even then, you know, even though they handled it really well, they were probably disturbed. The dad was probably thinking like, who the fuck does that kid think he is sitting on my bumper? That kid must have something wrong with him because that car is an extension of me. And then the really weird thing about this whole story is that that family drove home that night and I was just standing on their porch, just standing on their porch, looking in the window. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave This golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can